Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of This Week in Mormons. Uh, I'm your host, Matt. I'm one of the Twim siblings, and my sister, Melissa, is not with us because she's on a trip. So I have guest hosts with me today. They actually co-host my other podcast called The Latter-day Lens. So the first is Sean. Sean, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hello. I do regret that your sister's not here. I think she's awesome, and especially when you two are talking... I like listening to her a lot more. So it's a sad, it's a sad thing. No, I was, but I, but it, I do also think it is not fair that you get to be called a twin with her when I don't get to be called your twin, even though you're a big tall man and I'm a little short midget guy. I, I look, we were served together at our missions. We lived in, uh, in college together. Yeah. I would, I would sleep on your belly like I was Woodstock and you were Snoopy. And that, should make us twins. <laughs> well, so Sean, you, we call you, ourselves. You, you do know it's the twim, twim, it's twim. This twim. week in Mormons, it's not twim, twin, not twin. It's... Is that what it is? Uh, otherwise, yeah. the three of us would constitute the triplets. But yes, twim, <laughs> twim. So, so welcome to this podcast, Sean. <laughs> but what is tw- this week in Mormons? Oh. You, should li- you should you should listen to it sometime. <laughs> it's a really good show. We're so I, excited to be on it. I admitted that I listened to your sister, but uh, oh, Twim, Twim, yeah, gotcha. Twim. Okay, it's so a Sam, do you want thing. Sam's our other guest host? Uh, he's having camera issues, so if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see a beautiful dot that looks like the eclipse. <laughs> but if you're listening, if you're listening, he sounds great. Do you want to introduce yourself, Sam? Yeah, I'm Sam. So I constitute the third of the triplets, right? If we're going twins and triplets, <laughs> and and yes, we all served a mission together in Donetsk, Ukraine, and surrounding areas. And the premise of our podcast, Latter-day Lens, is that three people who sometimes disagree can have an incredible conversation and love each other on the other side. So, uh, Matt, thanks for having us on TWIM. Thanks, everybody, for joining. It's going to be a lot of fun. We all met in the MTC, and um, we didn't know each other before that, but we fell in love in a a brotherly love gospel Uh, uh, kind of way. Well, 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 well. I really disliked my companion a lot in the MTC. Oh, no. Na- namely <laughs> you, Matt. Like, namely you, Matt. I don't think you're supposed to say that on this no, show. No, no, no. Well, there's a, it's a happy, Only... there's a happy ending to it. I really okay. disliked Matt. And and then we got in the mission field and I realized, oh, he was just so bored in the MTC that he's just a goof <laughs> off. And then I see him in the field and I'm like, you became my hero because of how hard you worked on our mission. And it was inspiring. Work, so, work hard beautiful. and play hard. That's what that's what I say. <laughs> so we're going to start with some quick clips. We just kind of go through some news stories rather quickly, and uh, you, we can react to them if you want. So the first news story is that Sister Iring passed away. Do I, do either of you have memories of Sister Iring or impressions of her or thoughts or condolences you would like to share? Sam, you got anything? I, I would like to officially extend condolences. I, All right. You know what? Elder Iring is one of my favorite conference uh, speakers. So, yeah. How do you? Uh, how do you not uh, have empathy, Sean? I'm afraid we're going to have to like like the leadership of our church is so, and they're they're on their 90s now, and I'm afraid this is a common thing we're going to have to get used to, right? With people's wives si- dying. Well, everyone. Dying, Sister right? Holland. Sister passed. Holland. Sister yeah. Iring. Now it yeah. really is shocking. It's like a whole era that is. That is turning over. And there's a lot of sadness to that. But, you know, you that, that is part of God's plan. Do you think that President Iring is going to remarry someone in their 50s or something like that? Well, that's some juicy gossip. Uh, well, no, no. Like, oftentimes they do, right? President Nelson's yeah. on his second wife and President Oaks. Yeah. But M. Russell Ballard, trend. President Ballard hasn't remarried yet. 
Actually, let's ask this with 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 Sandra listening close by. Matt, if you were an apostle in your seventies, would you remarry someone in their fifties? Uh, it would have to be in their twenties. Fifties is a bit. Old. Uh, you guys, do you guys ever talk about that with your wives? If you would remarry if they die, we talk the about time. this all the time. All the time. Yeah. And, yeah, and what's the verdict? The, the conclusion is, I cannot take care of myself, <laughs> so I would need somebody. And my it, wife is like, I would rather just be alone. I, I'm tired of living with a person. Yeah. But if you say I can't take care of myself, you have to say it's begrudgingly I would do that. Only after oh, my yeah, pro- yeah. protestation. Right? Sam sounds like you've rehearsed this. Uh, Matt said he's talked about it a lot. So oh, I've thought wait, about it in my head. I haven't talked just, about it. You're just giving advice. I see. Yeah. Oh, so you and your wife haven't chosen your next wife after she dies. <laughs> oh, no. This is quickly going off the rails. Yeah. How many? All right, let's, let's go to the next story. <laughs> so the church just released recommendations for Sunday meetings on Christmas Eve. And it's, to me, only for an hour. Is, is hey, that? I, I have a question about that. We're the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There are two times in all of Christendom when people go to church. It is Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. Don't you think it's a paradox and slightly ironic that it's on Christmas and Easter when we peel back our church service to church light? Yeah. So what my ward does is we actually try to make it a missionary opportunity where we invite people who are not who would normally not come to church. And we say, Hey, it's Christmas. You should come to church. It's just an hour. It'll be mostly like church songs, Christmas songs. So that's how our ward does it. But it is kind of weird that we're like on those holidays, let's meet less than normal. Yeah. I, I, I still remember in Ukraine, Sean and Matt, I remember going on Easter one year. So not Christmas, but Easter, we, we did a deal with some investigators that we would go to their church if they came to ours and a Russian Orthodox priest with a broom full of water took a double dip of holy water and sprayed it all over two Mormon missionaries who were standing there watching. <laughs> wow. So I'll never forget that, but it left a, a permanent impression upon me about the importance of those two holidays, Christmas and Easter. And I well, agree with you, Matt. Was- I think we could be more intentional about that day in the church um, yeah. because going on that day is awesome. That's actually the day we go to other churches, uh, like other because ch- we often don't have Christmas on a Sunday. So right. often on Christmas we'll go to like midnight mass at other That's churches. Cool, Matt. Really That's cool. Yeah, and my kids hate it. And but guess what? So do all the other kids that are there. So <laughs> we did that on a cruise ship one year. We went to uh, midnight Catholic mass on a cruise ship, a Norwegian cruise line cruise ship on Christmas Eve. It was awesome. Wow. Did they splash you with holy water on that? <laughs> they did not. But funny story, this was a Christmas cruise, and the uh, character in the role of Santa was slightly intoxicated that evening. So <laughs> it was it was ironic being at mass with uh, it, it was it was it was not the best Christmas. Sam, that is a magical portrayal yeah. of Christmas on a cruise. <laughs> For anyone right. curious, do not go on a cruise ship over Christmas. You will yeah. not find your ward. You will not find a good sacrament service anywhere, <laughs> unless it's brought to you by Murdoch Travel. Matt, is Murdoch Travel a sponsor of this show? No, they're not. You just gave oh. them some free advertising. Brought <laughs> to you by Murdoch still... Travel. So, in, in in other news, the Orem, Utah Temple is having an open house. Uh, you guys plan on going to that? It's gonna. I think it started today. Oh, did it? Yeah. I'm not going. No. Okay. All right. Nope. 
Sean, uh, you're in California. That's just too far of a drive for you. Yeah, the, I do. It is my uh, the San Diego temple has closed for like they say like a year to redo all the really. Yeah, the the big iconic. That's temple. a massive temple. Yeah, all wow. the windows need to be redone because they were poorly built or something like that. So it's like a full year. So we're all just we have a off. lot of temples in Utah. You could come to Sean. Lots Wh- of them. Where? Everywhere, like everywhere. <laughs> there are more temples than there are Walmarts in the state of Utah. <laughs> well, so that actually brings me to the point, Matt. So the Orem Temple open house is October 27th through December 16th. Mm-hmm. What is the difference in the experience you get from an open house besides the cookies <laughs> and going to the temple uh, as an endowed member and going through a, a session? Oh, to me, it's totally different. Like the open house is all kind of pre-planned. You could actually kind of watch an open house online and have a very similar experience to walking through it. And it's kind of a missionary tool. Like the temple itself, after it's dedicated, no matter what ordinance you're doing, there's a spirit there that I don't necessarily get that when I do an open house. Maybe so I'm. What, so what draws you to the open house if you're not bringing anyone? Uh, to try and get my kids to go to the temple. <laughs> oh, that's fair. For me, I I, I don't go to... I don't go to them, but I try to get my kids to, or friends that aren't members of the church. I say, this is your chance to see the temple. That's what it is for me, is to get, so, get, get my neighbors and friends there. So when my wife and I were married, my father-in-law gave me a hard time because we passed three temples on our way to our marriage ceremony in Utah <laughs> County, right? <laughs> and this summer, I gave my family a hard time because we passed probably eight temples on our way to the Saratoga Springs open house. That's amazing. And, and the irony of it to me there was why why are we let let's just go to the regular temple but I, but I like yeah. your uh, I like your thought on that Matt that's a good idea. Um do you like the location of the Orem Temple Sam? Is that a good spot right there by the freeway and UVU? It's a, it's a great spot but it there's no Angel Moroni on top. Oh my goodness. Yeah, really? It is beautiful. That. Yeah. Oh, that I think is, that's, that's I think a that's a new thing. That's yeah. a fascinating discussion, but for a later time. Yeah, for some other time. Mm-hmm. So there's this opinion piece in the Deseret News from a woman. Her name's Megan Kohler. Maybe it's Megan. I don't know how the way she spells it. And she writes an article saying that women in our church are not oppressed. It says the happiness of women can't be separated from the moral development of men. And the church's organization reflects this. So her argument is that women in the church are not oppressed because the church's organizational structure helps men to become better men. And so because it teaches men to be better men, then they in turn become better husbands and fathers, and then that leads to less oppression. So she's trying to kind of redefine the way people think about women in the church and oppression. And I just wonder, um, three guys talking about this topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not only three guys talking about it, but in your, mm. in your section called Quick Clips. We got a, yeah. We got a quick yeah. flyby of this. Raise your hand. Are women oppressed <laughs> in the church? <laughs> well, but but there's an interesting. T- I mean, it is, I know we're not qualified, but and you should. We're ex- qualified. I'm a man. She says that it's all about the men, like in the way that the church develops us. Well, we should, yeah, but then there should be more time for us to break this down. My 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 opinion is this, and I wish my own wife could represent this, but. I've always looked at, okay, what is the purpose of the church? For example, our prophet just talked about think celestial, right? Because celestial represents exaltation. And so I ask myself, what in our church does the, it require for the one goal, which is returning to our, the presence of our Heavenly Father, which is exaltation? And what is required is faith and repentance, baptism, gift of the Holy Ghost, ordinances in the temple, and then ultimately an ordinance that is required for both 
the man and the woman. Now, all of those are, are what is required for me, a man, for you, a man. It's also yeah. required for a woman. And so to yeah. me, if there was mm. injustice in what is required for salvation or exaltation, then I think it's a more legitimate discussion, right? Mm-hmm. I do get, okay, you know, a, a woman can't be a prophet or an elders quorum president, just like I can't be a Relief Society president. Yeah, you could debate those things. But in the end, really all that matters is, does God the Father offer salvation and exaltation equally? And yes, he does. Every covenant that I enter into for exaltation, my wife also enters into separately with God for exaltation. So to me, yeah, there may be some social inequalities maybe here and there, but what really matters is that to me. What do you yeah. think of that? Yeah, I like what you said, Sean. I don't think I want to go into any more depth than that. I thought that was beautiful. And uh, I'm a little bit wiping tears from my eyes because it's good. Well, well done, Sean. <laughs> good job, Sean. <laughs> this one I think you'll like also, Sean. So her name is Yunga oh, Webb. Uh, she yeah, was a part of, there's a family of singers. What's the name of that family? The Webb family. Osmond. Webb. No, no, it's not the Webb. She got it, married to somebody else. Hold oh, on, it's I'll not? Tell you. Uh, what is the name? Hold on. I'm finding it real fast. The Bonner family. The Bonners. You guys know the Bonner mm, family yeah, singers? Yep. No. Yeah, I don't either. She was in the Bonner family singer. She's one of the Bonner kids. And she's an adult, yep. married, and she's got actually a, a channel like a, you can go to and take classes about how to sing yeah, it's cool. better. And it's really this, cool. Yeah. Well, so tell us about it, Sean. What's so cool ba- about it? What's so cool about it is that she is really talented and passionate and she teaches the basics of, of singing. And I think in our other podcast, The Latter-day Lens, we talked about the, the churches changing the hymn book. And it was like a 20-year project. And the importance of that, because I think we in a church have, we've declined in our passion for singing these hymns. Like our sacrament meetings, in my opinion, have become, there are less people that are musical in our church and the, the singing has not become as, it's not as passionate. I know Matt sings passionately on the front row. I do. That's good. I, do. I know. And that's good. That's impressive. But she is just uh, basically saying, look, even if you're not a musician, even if you don't know how to read music, even if you're faced with a hymn that you never even heard before, here's how you sing with passion and turn it into a praise to God. And it's really powerful. So you know how sometimes members of the church will start something and then the church will be like, hey, we like that. And then they'll adapt that and put it as part of the church program. Yeah. Do you think that they would do something like that with her? They'll be like, hey, we love the way you're... That would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah, that would be cool. You don't think that my ward choir is sufficient for like motivating people to want to just get in there and learn the hymns? Well, you told in the Latter-day Lens podcast that you were called to go to the ward choir. No, not called. Commanded. I have no choice in it. Required. (laughs) Nobody asked. And you also said that your least favorite thing in your ward is to do ward choir, at least before you got commanded. Well, I have to be quiet because I have friends that might listen to this that are in the choir. And so I have to say like, no, no, I love being in the choir. Okay, It's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) I'm there because I have to be. Uh, and um, I love it like the saints love crossing the plains. It's just a wonderful <laughs> thing. <laughs> you were voluntold. <laughs> voluntold. My wife is similar to Yunga Webb in that she has this gift for inspiring people and teaching people how to sing with their hearts. And it is just a joy to be in her choirs. And you feel hmm. the spirit every time. So, yeah, I think it's a really important part. I'm glad your leaders were inspired to command you, Matt. <laughs> I'm I'm hopeful um, because, you know, in primary, sometimes I go to primary, they do singing as part of primary every week. So I'm hopeful that maybe, because sometimes Sunday school feels a little long to me, 
that they'll have the first half hour be singing time of Sunday school. And nice. then we could have, yeah. And then we would all learn to sing better. That's and a great even idea. if it's, even if it's Jung webs, like video DVDs that we just work through that process or something like that. I know I said DVD and nobody has those anymore, but <laughs> except for church buildings have DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, mm. if anyone from the church hierarchy is listening, you should consider this advice. You should like take it up the ladder. Let them know, like, Sunday school could have a singing time component, and I would be in favor of that. That would be cool. <laughs> Sam, Sam, you have an amazingly nice uh, bass voice. Do you, yeah. do, you sing, do you sing loud with the hymns? No, I'm voluntold <laughs> every now and again. But, but I will tell you, we talked about this on our other podcast. There are times in life when, like, a church leader or someone in your orbit will inspire you to sing more. We got that at the MTC, right? Yeah. yeah. There was no better experience than singing at the MTC, singing in places on the mission. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. Our family has gone to Nauvoo and been part of the pageant many, many, many times. This the, the leaders that taught us hymns and songs as part of that. I mean, it was amazing. And then there are those moments, probably Easter and Christmas uh, at church when, you know, either a, a choir pops up and you really connect with the hymns. Um so I yeah. think it's an important part of worship and I think it's a neat way. I, I think it, 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 anybody that could add to that, that that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So our last quick clip is Bonnie H. Corden is going to be the new president of Southern Virginia university. That's awesome. Um, you, do you guys know what Southern Virginia university is? It's in Southern Virginia. <laughs> yeah. It's a church it's a, school. It's no, kind no, of like no. a BYU light, but it's, it's, uh, it, but it's uh, sponsored by uh, private individuals. Yeah. It's not a church school though, right? That it's church themed maybe? Church it's not church sponsored like BYU is, but it's boosted to the is point it, where it's very close to church. Is it kind of like the Joseph Smith paper project where the church isn't <laughs> No, really, where the church isn't they didn't do the Joseph Smith papers, but private citizens they encouraged private citizens to do it so that it was an independent thing. Is that kind of how it is? It's all no. like Oh. No, no. What is it? No, it's it was a private uh, Liberal yeah. Arts College in Buena Vista, Virginia. The college, though not officially affiliated with a particular faith, embraces the values of the LDS Church, according to Wikipedia. So, and I think they, I think they compete in Division Three sports. So that's a do. big draw: is young people who maybe aren't good enough to do Division One sports, but don't want to do no sports at all, like they do at BYU Idaho. They can go to Southern Virginia University, and they can do Division Three sports and still get a college experience and a wholesome environment. But, so, is, but is that where by, everybody from Rick's college went when Rick's punted on? Of, no, no pun intended. When they punted on college sports, did they all go to yeah, Virginia? I, there yeah. are a lot of young people I know that from Rexburg who go to Southern Virginia for the sports. But mm-hmm. Matt, if it's, but Matt, if it's not church sponsored or owned and it's not encouraged by the church, what, what the heck is it? Is it a bun- Is it just, LDS leadership and they, they, uh, they, they, um, they, they encourage students to go to Institute. So instead of having religion classes, they have like a strong Institute program. And I think they have a devotional that students go to, but it's just trying to say like, if you don't want to go to a church school, but you do want to be in a good environment, like supportive of the church, then go here. 
Yeah, but is it like because the board of directors is all LDS and they're like, hey, we can. It, it's the the board yeah. of trustees. Yeah. Oh. So if you go back to uh, the early 2000s, the board of trustees were made up mostly of members, according to Wikipedia. And, and now see. their new president is a former yeah. general authority. Gotcha. So gotcha. Gotcha. It'll help. It'll help them attract more students. Cool. That's okay. Exciting. We have a fun segment on this week in Mormons that I love to do. It's called Famous Mormons. Now, if you know the answer to this, I do. Don't spoil it. Okay, so oh, you know the Sam answer? Knows. Let's see if Sam knows. Okay. So this is the the Major League Baseball Playoff Edition of Famous Mormons. So <laughs> maybe people don't know this, but there's the Major League Baseball Playoffs are happening. There's four teams left. Can you name the four teams left, Sean? I'm going to guess. The Houston. <laughs> Astros. Okay, good. And they have a player for their team. His name is Jordan Alvarez. So he's, he's one possibility. You mm-hmm. have the Philadelphia. Phillies. Yes, yes. And they have a player Sean, named Bryce you. Harper. He's like a power hitter. Okay. And then we have the Texas Rangers. Yes, the Texas <laughs> Rangers. They have a player named Nathaniel Lowe. And then there's one other team. I didn't choose a player from this team because, uh, I, well, I don't want to offend any of the fans. San Diego the, Padres. The Arizona Padres. Diamondbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a little bit of a Dodgers fan, and the Diamondbacks defeated the Dodgers quite soundly, and so I'm a little salty at the Diamondbacks. So they don't get okay. So of these three baseball players, Jordan Alvarez for Houston Astros, Bryce Harper for the Philadelphia Phillies, or Nathaniel Lowe for the Texas Rangers, which of them is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints? Super easy, and I don't know this answer, and I don't particularly have a dog in the fight as it comes to. Baseball, although I am a Cubs fan. How do you not be? Jordan Alvarez is a member of the church. <laughs> no. Oh, no, he's not. Good guess. Bryce, Bryce Harper. Yeah. Did you know that, Sam? Did you know no, it was Bryce Harper? Oh. I didn't. <laughs> How, did, did you know that, Sean? You knew Bryce Harper was a member of the church? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A long time. He's he's a controversial character, very passionate. Oh. But I love that he, he, he always posts on his Instagram Temple photos, like him and his wife will go to the various cities and they'll visit temples. And he's got some photos in the San Diego temple here. It's cool. Yeah, he promotes it. It's good. Wow, you make me feel bad because I only knew about that because I Googled it. And you just know about it because you follow him on Instagram. <laughs> he is a passionately <laughs> spicy guy. He likes to fight. So, it's, oh. oh, that did mm. happen in the playoffs. He like stared down the other team at one point. Yeah. Is that fighting? Staring down? No, no, no. <laughs> but he's, okay. but he's it, it initiates fights and he's, he's, I think, pretty good at initiating fights and getting beamed by balls. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, he's so should we all be root- He's an alpha. Should we all be rooting for the Philadelphia Phillies to win the World Series so that a yeah. member of our church gets the championship? Yes. Yeah, support mm, our people. Not. Oh, support Bryce. <laughs> support Bryce. Okay. Well, hey, that, that was a fun segment. You guys are way more fun to do that with than Melissa. Sometimes Melissa <laughs> isn't as fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the next segment, big deal, little deal, no deal. So the way this works is uh, you're going to read a headline, and then we're going to say if we think it's a big deal, a little deal, or a no deal, and then we'll talk about the story. So mm. I'm going to go first. So my headline is the Restore Conference by Faith Matters was recently held at the Sandy Expo Center. Is that a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? Since you made up the segment, Matt, and you made up the categories, I'm going to also do that. I'm going to insert something between big deal and little deal and say fun deal. 
Oh, okay. Fun deal. Okay. It's a fun deal. It is because there's lots of interesting speakers that go to it. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a colloquial, obviously only for our, our religion kind of conference, but it is cool. Like listening to the people speak, it's kind of cool. It is fun. I'm, I'm who, completely confused, Sean. So who, the speakers who you listen are... to most. <laughs> Wait, you have to ask that question first. Come on, Matt. Sean, who is your favorite speaker? <laughs> right. <laughs> I can, you, have... want, you want me to really answer that? That's yeah. a facet- facetious, Sam. How about Steve Young? How about Steve Young? Okay, Steve huh? Young. How about Steve, Steve Young? Or how about Steve Young was somebody I recognized their name. Sean, I uh, see you're reading a list. You're Googling. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> hey, 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 but uh, you're you're hiding behind uh, the camera. He's stuttering. <laughs> I have this in my I have this list in my head. Okay, so the the Utah governor is there. Yeah. Steve Young is there. Tom yes. Tom, um, Tom Christofferson's there. He's the brother of Todd Christofferson. The I've Gibbons are there. The Gibbons, <laughs> the Gibbons are there. Are, yeah, Tyrell Gibbons Fiona, is there and his wife. Tyrell. Is it terrible? Yeah, so what is the purpose of this? Are we talking about church guess, stuff at this guess, conference? Guess who yeah. else was there? The daughter of our mission president. Was she really? Hello. She covered it. Yeah. And her wow. husband uh, Her husband spoke at it. Now you're going to change your tone okay, there, Okay, well, now I like it. Now, now oh, that it's somebody... You. I, <laughs> well, who is your favorite speaker, Matt? I, I'm not... I, this to me is no deal at all. I don't understand the purpose of the organization, the purpose yeah. of the conference. Like I just finished general conference. Why would I want to go to another conference and hear people talk about Here, church stuff? Here's why I'll promote it and say it's a good thing and, and a big deal is because the Lord commands us in the DNC to be anxiously engaged in a good cause. And so for a, gr- a group of faithful disciples of Christ to put all this effort into gathering together and continuing their faithfulness is a good thing. It's a great thing. Okay. So, so, by the way, I agree, Sean, with you, Jed. I'm shocked that you agree that it's a good thing. I actually think it's a good <laughs> thing. But but my question also is, we've talked in our other podcast about where is kind of that line between, like, you're following the church, you're a faithful believer, you're consuming doctrine, scripture, and where's the line between that and you jump completely off the ship and you end up in Rexburg, hold up in a, <laughs> hold up in a hotel with the ATF uh, trying to take you down, right? Like, or that, or for the record, know, that has never happened in Rexburg. <laughs> or 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 you make threats against a U.S. president, and you end up getting shot in your like. Where's the yeah. line between uh, faithful observer and crazy? And there is a line, and I don't know where it is. And right. it's probably not Faith Matters, and it's probably not the Restore Conference. <laughs> but, but you know, it's probably worth a better. Some we of should it, do that as a po- let's do that as a podcast topic in a coming week on priestcraft. The, uh, what is yeah. priestcraft, and what does it lead to? And yeah. then, and now and now along this topic, Sam, I'm just going to point out just as a Sam oh, is shot. a good. Sam is a good man, listeners. He he, he is the guy on our podcast who gets a lot of emails in saying, hey, wait a minute, I have some issues with what Sam has said. Wait, you can't bring up my past here. You got to bring it up there, not here. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just vouching for you, Sam. When well, you so, so speaking of um, strange members of the church, Sam, what's your topic for big deal, little deal, fun deal, or no yeah. deal? Here we go. So more details are coming out about what Tim Ballard did. Yes. Former president and uh, uh, creator, I guess, of OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, and former friend of uh, Glenn Beck and, uh, you know, member of the church. I'm going to say it's no deal because I didn't even know who he was until Elder Ballard disavowed him. So, Mm. like, the more I know about him, the the dumber I feel in life. So, Sean? No deal. I'm going to say it's no deal, too, because 
it, it, often I think Utah and Idaho or we in the church start sensationalizing someone who's semi-famous and also a member of the church when, look, the, mm. the man, let him deal with his, his life and his salvation privately. Like, like it's dumb that we make a big deal out of this in the news. So, so I'm going to say it's a big deal. Do I get to say big deal, no deal if it's my yeah, topic? Yeah, yeah, you get to, okay. yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to say it's a big deal because it marks a turn in the church's approach to mm. publicly, uh, uh, confirming or disavowing members of the church and their affiliation. So he made, you know, by his membership of the church, he made money, raised funds, and ultimately had some sort of a relationship with an apostle. And for whatever reason, the church felt like he crossed a line and they needed to make a strong public statement. And to my knowledge, that's never happened before. And people recoiled initially. And then Glenn Beck included kind of said, oh, uh, maybe there is more there, there, right? And so it yeah. had its effect. Sam, is this now maybe not a precedence for what could happen in the future? But maybe isn't this because they, the church did that mainly because they did have some content on the church's website that kind of promoted his movie and highlighted him? And the fact or, that they had to take that down required that they do that kind of separation? I think the separation was because he was about to announce a candidate or a run for uh, uh, Mitt Romney's Senate seat. Right. So oh, that's you, a big, you, you've got to put the skids on that. And then, you know, that there, there well, is a lot of other related stuff. Yeah. When, when general authorities get excommunicated, the church will publicly announce that. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there's, if you're in a public role, then the church uh, is a little bit more public about church discipline and things like that. It, so if you're in a public uh church leadership role but this is the first but, time you're in a public role that would be like yeah, yeah, yeah. disavowing uh you know a Let's famous choose who they disavow. quarterback yeah yeah Bryce Harper Bryce Harper yeah <laughs> yeah He's, he fight he stares at people too much so we're <laughs> but, going to but Tim Ballard was trying to align himself with the church was trying to suggest that the church endorsed or promoted well and and he had books at Deseret Book right so he is a little more affiliated with the church than your typical church member would be. Who's Just famous? Stick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's at least the accusation, right? Well, no, like that's truth. Is yeah. It? Okay. Yeah. Okay. He wrote books that were sold at Deseret Book. No, I mean him, yeah. him, him lobby or promoting his stuff with the church. No, we know that he did that. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, Sean, what's your what's your topic? All right. Uh, as part of their homecoming festivities, BYU is hosting a women's empowerment event. It is interesting that there will be a Sports Illustrated swim panel. No. With, with, swimsuit, no. Mo- with swimsuit models. That's a lie. Nope. No, it's not. Followed by a cougarette performance and a panel with the Relief Society general president. That is a lie. It may be a lie. Sam, it's not Sam, a lie, go, but is it a big deal? Go to their website. Go to the BYU website on <laughs> oh, that yeah, link. It's, it's all over. Wait, it. in 2020, we put a man on the moon and 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 Sports Illustrated doesn't even have a Sports Illustrated thing anymore. And and <laughs> and that's a big deal if it's true, but I think it's not true. I'm going it's to the link true, now. Sam. What? You sound that's, like when we first talked about Tim Ballard and everyone was like, that can't be true. No, no, it's true. <laughs> that's that's How, horrible. That's horrible. How is, it, how is it empowering women? Again, I don't know that we're qualified to discuss this, but no, we are qualified swim... to discuss that because men consume that sort of stuff. That's terrible. Like, <laughs> what do you say if you're the General Relief Society president and they say we're going to have you on a panel about women's empowerment? And you're like, hooray! And right, that's going to be right after the Sports Illustrated swimsuit <laughs> model. Wait, wait. <laughs> Show me where the oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> so you guys, so you guys are at you guys eleven think this o'clock. Is a big deal. 
Wait, no, I'm reading this different. It says SI swim panel with Maddie Dewey, Jasmine Sanders, and Berkeley Wright. Does that mean a debate about whether or not SI swim? No, those are all models. <laughs> Sam, have you not been have you not been reading the content of the swimsuit edition? Are you just no. looking at the pictures? No, I can not. <laughs> are you kidding me? This can't be real. It's real. Am I being, wait, what's the show with Ashton Kutcher where he like uh, uh, pr- pranks people? Am punked. I being punked right now? I'm You're... sitting in my car with a microphone <laughs> and I'm hearing the church is uh, sanctioning a SI swim panel at BYU. I'm saying yeah. that's a big deal if it's true, but I don't believe it. It is a big deal. And it's empowering. I feel like it's very empowering. It's not empowering. <laughs> it's objectifying. That's horrible. That can't yeah. possibly, there has to be, What you remember I the- love- you remember the radio program, the rest of the story? Will someone tell us the rest of the story? The I listener? love that the, you, the BYU Cougarettes were not allowed to dance to a song yeah. because they changed the lyrics or whatever. But you want to dance so, after the swimsuit models. Go ahead. Let me ask you this, Sam. Sam, does That's it change insane. your mind? Does it change your opinion at all? So the, the, the panel will be moderated by Jen Hunter. She's a Big 12 chief impact officer. Mm. And the, the, I think the point of the whole conference is empowering women and it, it's it's a BYU kind of inauguration event becoming a part of the Big Twelve, isn't that what it is? Yeah. And so there's all so they're, what they're trying to do is is be a part of the bigger picture, the Big Twelve picture. And so I assume I'm assuming that the Big Twelve people were like, hey, here are some of the things we want to do. And BYU had to. I don't know if they're compromising on some of it, but that's what the panel is for. I, I so I I go back to the text here. The Sports <laughs> Illustrated swim panel will be moderated by so and so, and will include SI swim models Maddie, Jasmine, Berkeley. So they're models, but they're not in a swimsuit. No, they're not in a swimsuit. No. no, no, no. So this is probably a conversation about the harm of the swimsuit issue. Oh, really? Like really? Body you paint think- and all. I you think BYU is going to allow people to get up on stage and talk about how wonderful it is to be? You think that's empowering? I mean, I wish so. So it actually happened earlier today. I wasn't there to see what happened, but um, I imagine there's going to be interesting news stories that come out about what happened there. Interesting. Yeah, and, they, and they maybe should have maybe should have presented what's happening in a different light. I don't know, but but the the rest of the program is really fascinating. There are so many prominent women LDS women leaders who are going to be doesn't presenting matter. and speaking doesn't matter as soon oh. as you pull out a swimsuit edition and you put it up on stage at BYU <laughs> it completely tanks the whole thing huh? which yes. which which edition did they hand out at the conference uh, oh. I, I don't know I don't know maybe they were trying to get more men to come to the women's empowerment conference oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> okay so I have a different story um, these men say that their Utah therapist touched them inappropriately during sessions paid for by the LDS church. Mm. Um, big deal, little oh, deal, or no deal. Or fun deal, Sean. You could say fun deal. Not a fun deal. No, not a, that's <laughs> the opposite of a fun deal. Uh, I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, it's, it's only a big deal in that, that those are criminal accusations that have to be treated correctly. Now you get right police and investigations involved. So that's... Here's, I mean, the, here's the story. I'll tell you the story. So these, these guys were students at BYU, and they went to their bishops and said, I'm gay. And the bishop said, hey, let's have you go to a therapist who's going to help cure your gayness. This is like 15, 20 years ago when they were still doing that. And the therapist actually happened to be a bishop. And the, the students would say, well, I don't have money to pay for that. And so the bishops would say, well, we'll pay for that out of like fast offerings or whatever. 
And then the therapist was like sexually abusing them. And so now they're suing the church saying, hey, the church uh, sent me to this therapist that sexually abused me and you guys are liable for what happened. Wow. Is that, are there no, yeah, go ahead, Sam. I say it's a big deal because it marks also like I'm into all these like mark lines, I guess, like the beginning of something, the ending, like the church vends certain services out to other people. So in this case, counseling. So can they vet those counselors and can they ensure that whatever counseling is happening is consistent with what they want to have happen? And then ultimately are they responsible for the outcome? Right? Like we've seen, um, I forget the name of the two ladies that were uh, arrested for child abuse. And Frankie, Ruby, Frankie. They're, and yeah, similar situation. One of them, uh, counseled a lot of, uh, people in the, in, in the church. So, and so the church would know. say, we don't vet people. That's not our job. We just have a list of possible people you could go to and you can choose who you want to go to. But this but student says, I didn't have a choice. I was told by my Bishop to go there. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, I think it's it's probably a big deal just because they need to figure out how to create separation in that. And maybe maybe it's like if if you're referred to counseling by your bishop, maybe there's a waiver. Maybe there's like some sort of a, hey, you know, here are your three options. Pick one. I don't know. I've never. Okay. I don't know. Never thought about that. All right, Sam, you have the next story. I have the next story. And the next story is I was so fascinated by that one. I skipped right over mine. One moment, please. No, I don't. I have All the right. next story, Matt. Oh, Sam does. No, Sam does. Okay, here I go. Sean, quit taking my story. Oh, this is mine. And <laughs> I'm not giving it back until I've read it. Okay, here we go. Latter-day Saint leaders issue statement calling violence in Middle East abhorrent. That's the word. But Rabbi <laughs> Avremi Zippel said that the statement from the church leaders missed the mark because it didn't mention the terror experienced by the people of Israel. So this rabbi, who is in Utah, I believe. Yeah said that the uh, statement missed the mark because it was devoid of the word terror. So yeah. the church should have used the ter- word terror. Matt, big deal, no deal, or? I'm definitely not saying fun deal on this one. No. I'm going to say that this is no deal because the church is always vague in their statements. And so, you know, somebody complaining that they're not specific enough in their statements, that's nothing new. Yeah. Sean? Yeah, I'll agree. No deal. It's They're being politically correct. Yeah. And I agree with that with a global church, when you actually have really good friends on both sides, um, that it may have even been intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the LDS, the leader's statements on that. I like that they condemn violence and that they yep. try to promote peace and there are no winners when in these kinds of horrible war events. So right. I understand why the rabbi didn't like it, but guess what? I've got a whole list of things the church said in statements that I wish they were more specific about. And I'm a member of the church. And they don't care what I think. <laughs> so I think they care. The rabbi doesn't get to have more clout than I do as a member of the church. So it's it's no deal because they don't care as much. It's no it's no deal because your, your opinion isn't valued enough. I love that. That's a great answer. <laughs> I want more attention. <laughs> All right, Sean, you've got our last story. I can't believe you make me introduce this story. Yeah, you, you, you that was intentional, a, Sean. That was I'm exciting. sure it was. You wanted me to have a visceral and passionate reaction. Latter-day Saint missionaries showed up to support BYU at the Texas Christian University football game. Yes. 
took up much of the, there were 44,000 fans there. BYU got blown out in an embarrassing way. And section 416 on the West side was full of LDS missionaries serving in the Dallas Fort Worth mission. This is a, a fun deal, Sean, an appropriate and a fun deal. This is what missionaries should be spending their time doing while they're on their mission. See, so you give me the topic and then you poke <laughs> at me with total insincere comments like that. I know you don't believe that, but I know you, you're looking at me and going, oh, here I go. Poke the bear. Let's Dishonest. hear it, Sean. You know why the Let's church doesn't it, like Sean. to hear your opinion, Matt? Because it's sometimes not very honest. <laughs> so, so I'm going to tell you, I think it's a big deal that those missionaries had to sit through that loss. And... So much so that my wife, my son, and I are actually traveling to Austin, Texas a week from Saturday to watch BYU get blown out by Texas, a very highly ranked uh, college football team. So, so are you, you going to wear a shirt and tie and try and look like a missionary? I'm, I'm going to be a missionary. You have to be. So, Sam, to you, it's a big deal only because BYU lost. It has nothing to do with the missionaries <laughs> being there. <laughs> no, I think it's it's uh, it's I think it's a you know everybody loves to see the missionaries. Come on, we met each other on a mission. How yeah. can you not? How can you not? Yeah, that's it's almost and, unpatriotic, Sean. And when we met I each other, no on shame. The, and when we met each other on the mission, we were actually working really hard to do <laughs> missionary work. Not wasting, not wasting time watching movies, going to football games. Playing we Risk worked. one night, <laughs> slaughtering a bunch of turkeys and chickens and whatnot yeah, in the basement like of a... Yeah. <laughs> I can come across as kind of judgmental mm. on this only because yes. our mission, my mission experience, our mission experience was a fabulous, exciting, spirit-filled. It was just an mm. amazing, amazing experience. And it's because I watched the two of you, for example, work your, your tushes off and do some amazing, amazing, amazing things. Open enough cities, mm-hmm. bringing people to the Savior... And to me, so I have a little bit of a judgmental stance. This is a big deal and a huge fail. Like who but, let those missionaries into that? <laughs> Total failure. Absolute wait, failure. Big deal. Sean, Sean, did you ever go to the ballet on your mission or go to the circus on your mission? Ooh, I was forced very to. Good question. And I didn't go. Oh. Wait. Oh. Matt said, Matt said, did you ever go? And you said, I was forced to, and I never went. Which yeah, one was, was it? You like, you went or you didn't go? <laughs> I didn't I didn't go because it, You didn't what, go to the ballet? I, Oh, don't, Sam, you had a chance to go to a Russian ballet around Christmas. And, I, and I also had the, ch- I also had the I chance too. to go. I also had the <laughs> chance to go out. Hey, Sam, I also had the chance to go outside on a snowy yeah. Christmas day and bring pe- and share the gospel of Christ with people. What would be better? I, a ballet in Russia no, or that? I'll, I'll tell you what's better is January 1st at 6 a.m. in the morning, cleaning up after that mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying, Sean, that in the mission like handbook, it does say that you can engage in cultural events. And if you're in Texas, like football is the culture of Texas. It, it helps you to relate to other people by and going it's Texas to Texas Christian University. So what better place to watch football and relate with people? teach and preach the gospel than at Texas Christian University. Yeah, that was the intent of it, Sam. <laughs> was for all I those will... missionaries to mingle with the the audience and, and do missionary work. That wasn't so the intent. My daughter was on a mission in Oklahoma, and um, somebody w- came out from Utah for some Oklahoma State versus BYU game or whatever. And he starts talking with this 
person from Oklahoma on the sidelines. And the guy decides to come to church and decides to get baptized from the encounter that he had wow. with a member of the church at a sporting event. So I'm going to suggest that there's ripple more, in the pond, more, John. Ripple gonna, in the pond. I'm going to suggest there's more to that story than you just presented. Not just it really football. was not. No, it really was. They were at a sporting event and they just got to talking about religion at a sporting event. And then he's like, hey, I want to know more about your church. Read the now, Book of Mormon. Now that, you're right. That is an amazing awesome. way for members of the church to engage with other people in those, in those public events. Uh, full-time missionaries? I don't think any of those discussions happened at okay. TCU. Mm. All right. Okay. Well, hey, good chatting about that stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All Moving right, on. we do this segment called Mormons Doing Goodly, where we try to find stories about members of the church doing good things. And I just wanted to promote something we do in North Logan. It's called the Pumpkin Walk, and it's totally free and open to the public, and it starts today. Um, and it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I think it started out people just carving pumpkins and setting them up. But now they go all out. They like do these big displays. It's kind of like a life-size diorama of anything. And it's a lot of fun and it's great for the community. And I don't know. You should go. If you get if you come to North Logan, Sean, come to the pumpkin walk. Just curious, since this section is called Mormons Doing Goodly, what what does that have to do with Mormons? Well, it's they're members of the church that are creating the, these displays that people oh. can walk around the park and look at these displays and Oh, they can. I don't it's know. actually like represent like the like wards and stakes are doing it, or is it just no, no, no? The community, just of the, yeah, the oh, community. it's just the community because <laughs> Logan is so highly LDS. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, there might be some people who aren't members of the church that are involved, but uh, I don't know. I tried to find some. Do you guys have stories of Mormons that you know that are doing good things right now? Better than a pumpkin <laughs> walk. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to find stories. Uh, well. <laughs> Take yeah. Tim Ballard off that list. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our last segment is This Week in Mormon History, where we're going to just talk about some stories of things that happened in our church's past. And you guys will tell me what you think oh, about it. So, so 85 years ago, this is hey, in hey, nine. Yeah. Can I preface this, Matt? I think you're also picking at me for this too, because we have a debate going on in the other podcast, The Latter-day Lens, about the accuracy of journal entries and historical oh, documents. Oh, that's right. And so mm. just, just as a preface, you're, you're presenting stories that come from journal so, entries and you're assuming that they're true and we're supposed to discuss them as if they're true, right? So listener. trying to bend the reality of the universe? Like you so have listen. to accept journal entries as at least reasonably reliable. So listener, you just have to know that Sean is uh, <laughs> highly skeptical of historical information. Only unless, does unless, not ex- unless it's like the Joseph Smith pr- papers, which is highly <laughs> credited. It is primary sourced <laughs> content oh, no. as opposed okay, to so, journals, which are so, not usually so, primary source content. <laughs> no, a journal is a primary source. Well, it depends right, if, journal- it's, if it's studied as a primary source. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I, I had to preface. That. Okay. Well, this one is from the journal entry of Heber J. Grant, I think. Okay. okay 85 think- years ago. Listen, listen, listener. We all know that history is whatever it is, and and Sean can hate it, but we're gonna we're gonna revel in it for just a little bit. Okay, <laughs> okay. Besides, there's a link you can see the source, Sean. If you want to follow the link, you'll see that it's a journal entry. Don't okay. go there because it's not very well sourced. You don't want me to follow in, it. In 1938, uh, this is what happened. Uh, 
85 years ago. Some unfortunate and untoward incidents following the giving of endowments to wives of church members who have not been through the temple and to the wives of non-members have brought this matter again in review by the Council of the First Presidency and the Twelve. And so based on that, they said, what should we do? And they decided that uh, a woman, a wife whose husband is not a member of the church should not receive a recommend to go to the temple. And the wife of a member who of the church who has not had their endowments uh, should not be given an, a recommend to go to the temple. So this was the beginning of this policy where women could not go through the temple if their husbands were not members of the church or if their husbands were not endowed. Interesting. Is is this under the oppressed topic or no? <laughs> Wait, was well, that it earlier? Ch- it actually changed not very long ago. Like I'd yeah. say maybe in the last maybe 20 years it changed. But mm. my grandma was married to a man who was not a member of the church. He eventually joined the church when he was 60 years old. But when my mom went through the temple to get married, her mother, who was an active member of the church, couldn't go through the temple with her because her mother had never been endowed because really? she was married to a man who had not who was not a member of the church. And so they had this policy that you can't if you're a woman you can't get endowed unless your husband's endowed. It, you know what I love about this journal entry is it shows in the arc of history how things ebb and flow and how something was once one way and it was removed not by some massive stroke of revelation but just through practical consideration. You know, people started people started getting uh sealed even though they weren't uh, married, right? And so they started yes. to pull that privilege back um, for a right. practical purpose and, and make it, it to ensure continuity. I think that's kind of a neat glimpse into history, Sean, even though you may not totally accept it. <laughs> Sean, it did happen, <laughs> right? Sean's face looks like somebody just shot a, his puppy dog. <laughs> well, he doesn't even I'm, want to talk about this. I this kindly, is going to be very difficult for him. I kindly want to put in there that like 20 minutes ago, we were talking about normal members of the church having a conference talking about stuff. And you guys were kind of like, well, that's kind of lame. Like they're not authoritative people. <laughs> no, and no now, we did not use the word lame. We did not but, use the word authoritative. <laughs> but now. We just compared them to people shacked up in Rexburg shooting at the ATF. That's right. That's, what the, that's right. That's yeah. right. But now Dev- Devery Scott Anderson writes a oh, book no. about some journal entry. Not, I don't see any source. To, and you guys are like, yes, this happened. This is a fact. And this is good. We should talk about this. you. Just you wait until just you wait until I find quote unquote Sean's uh, journal entries from his mission and I publish them after his death. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, listener, the anger that Sean has about no this anger. segment is no. you can't make this up. You can't make no it up. There's I no love anger. it so much. There's no I, anger. I feel like I need to apologize. Okay, the the restore conference was a big deal. It was a really big yeah. deal. There you go. And, I love and it. Matt, Claire, apologize that that Devery Scott Anderson writes a book, and he decides to a book for profit, by the way, and he writes a book that says it is called uh, the development of LDS temple worship. Now this guy, I apologize for that. No, no, I'm not saying apologize. I'm saying clarify that your, your journal entry that you're accepting as fact comes from that. source. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Duly noted. Thank you, Sean. Okay. This next one comes from Heber J. Grant's diary. Okay. Heber J. Grant. (laughs) He says, this evening in company with Chaz W. Penrose, I called on brother Joseph F. Smith 
And we talked with him regarding the necessity of our people paying $25,000 to the Democratic Fund to aid in the election of President Cleveland. Oh, that he can't was, be true. He was decidedly oh, see, in Sam's favor of our side. doing so. See, Sam's on my side now. He's he's questioning your uh, <clears throat> historical citations. <laughs> and suggested that I remain and make a second so- collection from our statehood funds instead of going to Emory County on Wednesday as my former program. So Grover Cleveland is the first Democrat elected president after the Civil War. And church leaders said, yes, we should be raising funds to give to his campaign. Isn't that awesome? To, to a Democrat? To a Democrat. Uh-oh. But I will tell you this. Did did you like do some sort of really really strict Google search to find the one instance of Democrat being endorsed by some church member somewhere? No? So this is that period of time when we when we were not we a were state Democrat. yet. Utah yeah. wasn't a state. It had been the Utah People's Party, mm. and this is right as they were sort of saying, you know what, we need to be Republicans or Democrats in order to get statehood. Mm. And in this this particular instance. Grover Cleveland is the president that pardoned all of the Utah people for polygamy and bigamy and all of that stuff. So mm. after the pro- after the manifesto, when we get rid of plural marriage, you still have a Supreme Court case that allows the federal government to take away all of the church's property. And Grover Cleveland is the president that pardons us. So the church's mm. efforts to help him get elected as a president were instrumental in getting that pardon for members of the church. So this was a political move to gain favor with the federal government. Yeah. 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 I love that the church is getting involved in politics back in the day. I think they should do it today. Why isn't the church more involved in politics today? Isn't it because of status? Yeah. Sam says it. Yeah. Tax status. Isn't it? Risk? Okay. Yeah. Probably that. Okay. Now, Sean, this is, this is from, um, maybe a secondary source. So maybe you don't want to believe it, but it's just a fun story. Like, this segment's supposed to be sort of fun. I've got lots of fun stories that I could tell you about stuff that may or may not be true. I got lots but it of has fun to stuff. be this week in Mormon history. It has to be okay, twins. Sorry. sorry. All right. So this is 150 years ago. The Salt Lake City School of the Prophets discusses the practice of Patriarch John Smith and others who ordain infant boys to the priesthood. Second Counselor Daniel H. Wells said some had ordained children when they thought that they would die. This had been a comfort to some parents, though there was no law or revelation given for or against it. Consequently, he could see no harm or wrong in having it done. Neither could he think there was any particular virtue in it. What do you think of that? That sounds like a Mark Twain ending. <laughs> Neither could he think there was any virtue in it. <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, doesn't it? I don't. I don't see any harm. I, I don't, don't see, see any good. Yeah, so kind of a dumb yeah. idea. But you know what? If it makes him feel good, I'm I'm all in favor of it. <laughs> kind of flies isn't, in the face of uh, yeah accountability, but it works. Yeah, isn't it interesting that in the Book of Mormon you have all that stuff against infant baptism? Yeah, <laughs> so we're not going to baptize them, but. Well, let's ordain him to the priesthood. Like, if, yeah. if it makes you feel better, sure, go ahead. Make him a deacon. This is 1873, right? Still kind of wild. Yeah, yeah, west. yeah. So they were trying to figure things out, right? Yeah. I just like I just like this week in Mormon history because it helps us sort of, for me, it helps me sort of like calm down about some of the stuff going on in the present because I say, this crazy <laughs> stuff has been happening for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I don't see any like public repudiation of the practice. So not that I'm advocating that we start, um, uh, church, church handbook of instructions. I don't know. <laughs> but if you, well, do start, hey guys, if you do start promoting it, you can cite this, uh, as precedence, right? 
I'll say there was a journal, and they'll say, oh, seriously, you're going to do something based on a journal? Like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a journal entry. Matt, that was, the, that was a, a terrible impression of me. <laughs> hey, thanks you guys so much for hosting This Week in Mormons with me. Listener, we encourage you to subscribe to This Week in Mormons on social media. We're on Facebook slash This Week in Mormons, on Twitter or X, if you want to call it that, at The Real Twim. Uh, you can always find all of us on our other podcast, The Latter-day Lens. And if you want to give us feedback, I imagine <laughs> I imagine that we have elicited some response from some of you. <laughs> you can email us at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can even leave a voice comment if you go to the website, thisweekinmormons.com. And of course, we encourage you to become a Patreon subscriber so you can get bonus content and other episodes. And we'd like to thank you for listening to the original Mormon slash Latter-day Saint news podcast. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>